0: Good morning! This is Ian McNeese, or otherwise Winston Churchill. That's right, the good old Winston Churchill from Doctor Who. And you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future.
1: Good morning! Welcome to Too Much Scrolling for November 7th, 2023. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm after Halloween, Chuck. And I'm Teddy Durgan. Hey! The 80s expert, Teddy Durgan, has joined us for our, uh, is this our Thanksgiving special? No, it's early for Thanksgiving, isn't it? This is is a very special episode of Too Much Scrolling. We have a book to discuss, and it is uh, right up Teddy's alley, so we had to have him in. A movie that's actually 1980, kicking off the decade. (laughs) 80s expert Teddy Durgan in the house with the fact
2: (laughs) film at 11
1: Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. Before we get to the 80s, let's get to the uh, early 2000s. The Knots first, Chip. You brought us a wonderful documentary available now on Amazon Prime. This is Hot Potato, the story of the Wiggles. Not behind the music uh, necessarily, but kind
2: of. Steve, I'm using my hand. I'm doing the Wiggles. (laughs) We had kids that certainly... Uh, It came out like right when our kids were uh, becoming aware and wanted to dance around the house, Steve. Yeah, this is a
1: preschool music group that put together such beautiful, wonderful, intended-for-preschool audiences music, and you and I, sir, we were right there. Our kids were right there on the at the right space at the right time. I know all of these songs because I listened to them ad nauseum in the early
2: 2000s. This was a nice documentary that kind of showed a little bit of the history of them. If you're not familiar with the Wiggles, they are a a group that was uh, from Australia. And they put together children's music that was really sort of perfectly uh, suited for young people. It was kind of a little bit rockish, but mm-hmm. certainly children-like. Um, and, and we got to explore a world's worth of music with those four gentlemen who who played characters
1: that was my favorite part of having a very, very young person at that time was all of the different media from around the world to give my kid a perspective of what's happening in a place like Australia that he may or may not ever make it to. I don't know that I'll ever visit Australia, but getting that input instead of just the one note from just the same people in your area, the Wiggles brought so much education because they were teachers. They are Early education minded humans with a great
2: music talent. I absolutely agree with you, Steve. I, what we learned from them is that as as students, uh, three of them were in uh, rock bands, mm-hmm. and one was one was a roadie. That was the that was the lead singer. Greg yeah. was the roadie for them, um, and they played music. Um, they had it looks like they had a couple hits during that time. They were called the uh, the Roaches. The cockroaches, yes, sir. <laughs> anyway, uh, at some point, they were working on their schoolwork and they decided that uh, to become teachers and they decided to put together a children's act, and that was the Wiggles.
1: And putting into action the ideas that they were receiving in their education for teaching preschool-minded humans, and and they hit it just just as much as I admire Mr. Rogers for all of the work that he put into what he was singing and saying to young people. The Wiggles were thinking very carefully about who their audience
2: was and how to reach them. And that was real important. The idea that you may not know their names, so they every one of them wore a different color. Skivvy, Steve. Skivvy. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you could right. go the yellow wiggle or the mm-hmm. red wiggle. Each of them had something that they were very good at. Um, what do we know about Jeff? Jeff uh, certainly had wasn't the the most gracious speaker he um, he struggled with public speaking so they gave him something he would be very good at. He was going to go to sleep.
1: I love that story in this documentary. Giving him the right role for him, he was not the same exuberant person. He he, he
2: had his role to play. Murray certainly uh, very well spoken th- through. He's the red wiggle. You know, he talked about how much he loved uh, playing guitar and and what ultimately, after so many years, he had to leave being a wiggle, uh, and why he did that. He they well, in fact, all of them mentioned being away and touring now basically it's dad's job and so they missed some of their children's um growing and, and um, they
1: mentioned how hard it is to be the child of that dad who is famous for something, known for something, and, and the challenge that the kids have to face. My kids certainly had that with, you know, the Mr. Fodor and, and my kids going to the same school district and having that over their heads. Oh, I know your
2: dad. And and, and these guys had that that knowledge, too. Well, growing up, one of the things that we did notice on the videos was they really couldn't find a person, a sponsor for their videos who would allow them to do the things that they did. As in, they talked about Dorothy, they didn't really talk about Wags the Dog or or Henry the Octopus, Mm -hmm. but they talked about why those characters came to be, Um, but they couldn't it would be something like well, abc uh, australian broadcasting company would take on their project but they couldn't use dorothy the dinosaur
1: they would change it in a way that that the wiggles didn't think was the right choice
2: so they produced their own stuff that's that's amazing well that's where i was going to go back um one of the things that we used to notice is a lot of their children were in the um were some of the performers Mm-hmm. Because they were, you know, they're all, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or whatever they are. They're taking dancing. Uh they're they're all those dancers. But I, I just remember what it meant to my young daughter, uh, and daughters, mm-hmm. um, to be able to basically share that with mom and dad and just jump around the um uh, the house. Just and-
1: it was just happiness.
2: And, and how about the, the ending of it? They did um, adult concerts for all those children who are now in their 20s. So the first thing I did when
1: you put this into the document, the first thing I did was send it to my 22-year-old and said, son, I want you to watch this documentary because I remember those joyous moments that you had with these guys, these silly
2: Australian guys and the joy that they brought they absolutely were, you know, just the perfect for that era. And I hope, and what they've been able to do is the characters have sort of retired and they brought on new people to play those parts. Mm-hmm. My hope is that it continues to go and that other families can have the same experience we had with our young people. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say 60 out of 100. This is really, really fun, particularly for those people who, who grew up and had young people during that time. A very narrow, very narrow
1: generation right there. And it hit you and I and our kids so strong. Then we get to the 1980s and that's why Teddy's here because we're here to celebrate the, the film that really sparked so much of pop culture, 1980s, airplane chip you and i have seen this movie more times than we can count teddy what's the last time you saw airplane
0: oh it was about i'd say around february march of this year and that was probably easily like my 25th time easily easily. i can't
1: even tell you how many times i've seen this film oh
0: yeah yeah and that doesn't even count like just flipping by it and seeing it and watching it for 10 or 15 minutes that it's you know if it was on you wouldn't plan to
2: see it all you know we should watch this movie all together. We should, should watch, watch this, this movie. movie. <laughs> this movie is constant wordplay. I I love the movie Airplane
1: with all my heart. There's nothing that this movie can do wrong. I love the silly uh, Jerry Zucker. David Zucker and Jim Abrams way of telling story in this movie this this forms the basis for my comedy and it's
0: got so many different styles of comedy I mean everybody knows that the, it's got wordplay it's got slapstick it's got visual gags it's got it's it, it runs the whole the whole thing uh, the, the table on it and I you know one of the things I love about it having the longevity of I've had it since I was a since I was a kid is that I started off Liking like as a as a favorite character one and as I've gone through life I've developed like, different stages of my life I have different favorite characters you know I started off hey my name's Teddy Ted Striker I mean I just you know you, you, the, the lead guy loved him his
1: drinking problem all that stuff you know and then but, but I used that line I used the drinking problem line today in class when a young lady spilled the water <laughs> out of her mouth and I said oh she's got a drinking problem yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great because
0: it's new to it's new to a lot of them, you know. So uh yes. because you know, we'll talk about that later. But uh but th- but now it's like, you know, my favorite character is the Lloyd Bridges characters because of my age now and it's just like, you know, and I, I I have those days where I'm like, oh I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. I took the wrong day to stop drinking, you know. I mean it's
2: like <laughs> This is such a classic yeah. film. Do you think it translates real well with young people? Do young people find the humor that or is it from its time?
0: Oh, boy. I mean, you know, it's it it, it was a much more broad based audience back then. OK, now it's like you really have to have a certain young person with a certain sense of humor who's not easily offended, who maybe likes throwback humor. OK. And yeah. And then you'll you, you know, then you can get them laughing if you can just get them in front of it and take out the mystique of oh my gosh this is never going to be a play today and stuff like that because there is so much funny stuff there funny humor is eternal sure you know um but it's it, it's just lopped into this um thing of you know it could never be made today kind of stuff and and that, that's unfortunate
2: well we move from you know airplane the smooth movie <laughs> to uh, police squad and then the naked gun trilogy was, the trilogy yeah yeah I mean, it, and
0: in between there was a very underrated 80s classic 1984 val kilmer's debut top secret which was done by the same guys and it was mm-hmm. what was great about these films was that they were a mashup of stuff yeah. that that was a mashup of old spy films and elvis presley movies you know and you know as a 14 year old guy i didn't seeing that movie 1984 i didn't get those kind of references but it was funny i mean it was just mm-hmm. funny you knew what they were kind of going for and the people who were like, you know, my dad's age, who were watching these things, or my mom's age, they were getting all the stuff from the, the old Cold War spy thrillers and Elvis stuff, and, and it was hilarious to them.
2: That's that's right. That's where we learn about skate surfing and how to straighten the rug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's so <laughs> there's so much joy
1: that airplane and all of the Zucker Brothers stuff brings me. I mm-hmm. I can't I can't imagine anybody. Around age 10, looking at this and not understanding the humor of it. This is such a huge part of my childhood. I would think a 10-year-old of any era yeah. would admire it the same way, but you might be right. Maybe, maybe it takes a specific type of kid who listened to Weird Al and mm-hmm. goes to airplane in 1980.
0: Well, look, I mean, I I've shown my daughter all this kind of stuff too. So she's she's on my wavelength, so she thinks it's funny. She's 18. And, um, you know, I mean, yeah, 10-year-old humor is 10-year-old humor, though.
1: Which brings us to the reason why we brought you here, and that's today's Book Book It.
2: Book It. 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 Surely you can't be serious, Steve.
1: Yes, I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. (laughs) The Book Our Book of the Week this week is a new book that was published this year, just a few weeks ago, and I had to have it. I pre-ordered it. It It's called Shirley, You Can't Be Serious, The True Story of Airplane. It is credited to David Zucker, Jim Abrams, and Jerry Zucker as the authors, quote-unquote authors, of this retrospective of this film.
2: They shared the uh, authorship like they shared the directorship, Steve, of the film. And the writing.
1: And we get so much of that. This is the first ever oral history of the making of Airplane by the creators, the beginnings of this comedy troupe that the Zucker Brothers created from the Kentucky Fried Theater in Madison, Wisconsin.
2: Well, In fact, there's my first question. Do we think their humor is Wisconsin humor? Because they uh, University of Wisconsin, they're, they're, it seems of the era and potentially of that of that area.
0: Well, it was a great era. I mean because at the same time over in uh, New England, you had national Lampoons off of uh, off of Harvard, you know. Um, you, that was a different style of
1: comedy. You had, right? I mean,
0: that was the gosh, you Second City was back then, you know, you yeah, had the beginnings sure. of Saturday Night Alive in the 70s. There it was a golden age of comedy, especially for sketch writing and for skit writing and for situational writing.
2: And don't, and don't forget Steve Martin oh. and David Letterman. Um, I mean, certainly there was a style of comedy mm-hmm. at that time, and this would fall, I guess. From directly into that yeah but it was so specific the zucker brothers style of comedy is
1: so different from all of those other types of comedy from that time
0: absolutely but they it was i thought it was broader based you know it really was and i think they i think the box office showed it for that you know for when airplane hit you know it was that thing that it started off slow and then it just became this thing of, you got to see this, you got to see it. And it trickled all the way down to the playground. I mean, it started with our parents, a, older and it's, uh, you know, and it trickled all the way down to the point where, you know, we were kids. And, and back then that was the cable era. You know, if you didn't see it, you could wait for HBO or whatever it would have and stuff. And it would be this, you know, it had have this mystique almost, you know? And, uh, and it was never undersold. I mean, once you finally saw it, it was hilarious, you know?
2: It was constantly made for rewatching it because it was such rapid fire. Oh, yeah. There was always something that you were missing. Yeah.
1: That was one of my favorite sections of the book was talking about the editing process, how they recorded the sound of the audience reacting to this film and then cut the movie to the laughs so that it is, it is as tight an edit as you can get with Mm. just rapid fire jokes. They said that at one point they had to leave a little extra space so that, so that the audiences would not pass out from (laughs) laughing too much. They had to add extra space in the edits. How about that coffee <laughs> this is one of my favorite lines. I don't know. I don't know if that line is appropriate in 2023, but I think it is. I think this is an anti-racist joke. I say this virtually every time I have coffee. I like my coffee black, like my men.
2: <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about, I was talking about, how oh, the uh, bald guy. He was like, uh, how about that coffee? No, thank you. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Stephen Stucker Stephen Stucker has a huge chapter in this book
1: the fact that Stephen Stucker existed yeah. unfortunately he's no longer with us but the, the the flavor that that man was able to bring to this movie he is he's not a character in this movie he's just this guy who's there watching the movie with us in so yeah. many ways and it makes me laugh every time I think of Stephen Stucker
2: and he's getting larger.
1: Leon's getting larger. Might <laughs> be one of the lines that that I really <laughs> smile the most at.
0: That no, was wonderful. It's wonderful. And I mean, I, there's that. I mean, how many times have I said, uh, "Oh, I speak jive." You know. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. So let's get to that section. It's the uh, the two cer- certainly people who are in urban uh life mm-hmm. and they um have a special way of speaking to each other and june cleaver <laughs> is gonna be our interpreter as as they talk to each other like it's a foreign language. Yeah. I speak jive. <laughs> <laughs> The story of June Cleaver working with the gentleman to to they, they had to come up with the words that they were going to speak mm-hmm. um or and how they were going to the cadence of it and all that. And then they had to uh had June Cleaver, she had to teach it. Uh I'm sorry, she had to speak it mm-hmm. back to them. And um the, the care they had in addition to her kids convinced her to be part of this movie too. Yeah. I love that section of the book talking about the care
1: that they put into creating that jive talk, because it's not real. Mm -mm. There is nobody in the planet who is (laughs) speaking straight jive. You would throw in a word of jive into your English (laughs) every once in a while, but here they are. Going for it, and and the work that they put together, those two guys deciding what to say, because the Zucker brothers had no idea what to say the, in the script. It was just babbling; it, it yeah. didn't make any sense, and there wasn't a rhythm to it. Those guys created that scene.
0: It was brilliant. I mean, it's one of those. And you know what? The great thing about the book is, is that you can read up on all this stuff and stuff. If you only seen the movie a couple times, or like us, who've seen it, you know, as part of our religion, uh, you know that. It doesn't take any of the magic away to 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 show them how they made the sausage you know it's like like the seinfeld always says you don't want to show them how you make the sausage you know but it's like once you see how they've crafted this and the collaboration of it, it it's it's beautiful it makes you appreciate it even more and i mean you want to you want to either go back and watch the whole movie or you just want to go on youtube and find those clips again and, and watch it again you know
2: well i love the part where they have you know the structure they took was from one of the airplane disaster movies. Zero hour. So they didn't really have to. They
1: purchased that film so that they would have the rights to it, so that they were not breaking
2: copyright, because it's (laughs) so close to that zero hour movie. And and the other part is that they many times just lifted dialogue directly from that movie, and it was put into a comedic, situation, when the two children um, sit down to each other and have coffee. Yeah.
0: So I mean, it's just, I mean, and and the great thing is, it's it's an obscure movie. It's not like it's some big movie that a lot of other people saw, you know, like The Tower Inferno, or, you know, back in that time. Zero Hour is, I mean, you would ever be lucky to find it on, like, a Turner Classic Movies or something. It's just not, it, but they took this movie, and it's just genius what they did with it. I mean if you've seen these clips in the and the, the the distilling into airplane with the humor and the casting of it is I, I who does that who does it
2: it's genius so let's talk about the what we call the straight men mm-hmm. the, the um who ultimately there were a lot of them they were all put in this movie some of them were really struggling to understand the humor they were thinking that somehow they had to be comedians the directors basically had to convince them no 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 you just need to say your lines. Just say them like you would normally say them. This is a serious film for you. And uh, the humor was how they delivered their lines. Yeah.
1: Okay, so did you know Leslie Nielsen from Forbidden Planet before you saw Airplane? Or was Airplane your introduction to Leslie Nielsen, Teddy?
0: That was my introduction because of the young age of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only one that really had any... any... Experience with was Peter Graves, just because I watched Mission Impossible. The reruns were throughout my childhood, so I knew how serious he was as uh, as Jim on that show. And so, if you had at least one person like him, then your young mind could get what they were going for with the other ones, with Robert Stack, with Lloyd Bridges, with with Peter Graves. And you know, then that's when you just sit back and you enjoy. And then. It's like watching Star Wars as a kid. I'd never really seen Alec Guinness before. I'd never seen the, at seven, I hadn't seen The Bridge on the River Kwai or any of those movies or the, you know, the Peter Cushing, sure. the old Homer film. But then afterwards, you get to go back and you get to discover all these films through that. And then you see, it, it, with, but with Airplane, you just see the genius of it because they did take these traditionally dramatic, serious actors with their distinctive cadences, kept them. And, you know, just that was it's probably the most brilliant masterstroke of that film. You know, you throw out all the side gags, all the other stuff, the casting of those people and getting them to not ham it up. I mean, it's it's really an underrated piece of direction uh, in that film to do that.
2: And and the conversations they had where Lloyd Bridges, I think, was really struggling to understand his purpose. (laughs) And it wasn't until he watched one of the actors perform Mm -hmm. that he goes, ah. It kind of clicked. Yeah, my job is just to deliver those lines. Yeah, and they're all smart guys, you know.
1: And I love how Robert Stack was the guy that the Zucker brothers wanted. He he was the guy that they had in mind. Uh, Chip, you just recently reviewed uh, Unsolved Mysteries, the Robert Stack TV series. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing I think of when I think of Unsolved Mysteries is get me Rex Kramer. <laughs> Robert Stack did a, a phenomenal job being that straight guy. And this book goes to that over and over and over again. We need straight. Men to be the the foil to the comedians who come in and do the comedy. The Zucker brothers really
2: invented that with this movie. When you would watch Steve Martin comedy, Steve was playing the comedian who did the stupid side gags. You were playing the audience. There was a playfulness there. Now that was a live event. Doing that, this was a film where you're the audience and you're watching what yeah maybe a serious comedy <laughs> <laughs> you're there to 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 constantly kind of just react to the the continuous visual uh comedic situations and everything else that would come to you uh and it's just it's rapid fire and and that's sh- the strength of it had to come from the sketch comedies build up that they took to hone that skill not any different than the marx brothers or any of the other comedians that uh would would basically build their craft and then then kind of record it well, this, that, was an, um, that was another
0: interesting aspect of the book is what inspired these got the Zucker brothers and Abrahams, and and the Marx brothers was one of their inspirations. It's inspiration for a lot of comedy writers, directors, and actors. But the way that they got inspired by the Marx brothers with their precision and how seriously took their comedy. Um, because the people, it, it is a the book is mostly quotes. It's it's not like you know paragraphs of text and stuff. And it was interesting to hear people react when they found out that the Marx brothers were a big inspiration for. These three, the three, yeah, two
2: of the three, <laughs> two of the, yes,
0: and uh, you know, so that was interesting to see what their inspirations were, because that's always you know, because everybody's been inspired by these guys who made this wonderful movie, and the movies after them.
1: Which brings me to you, Teddy. You are mm-hmm. a writer of of some sort of theatrical experience. How many times do you think of the art of airplane and that structure of a straight? person and then the silliness coming in to disrupt that
0: my thing was was i just i want to go right back to the casting when i write something and i, I fashion myself a humorist most of the stuff that i've had produced and written and for, for stage has been humor whether it's sketch 10-minute plays or full-length plays and when you turn over as i don't have the directing uh credits or chops I turn over a script and if it gets accepted and gets produced, I don't have any real control over the casting of it. And I found over the years that just the casting is so important. You can hear it in your head. You know exactly what it sounds like or beats. And and wonderful actors can bring new stuff to it. Don't get me wrong, you know. But if they don't quite get it, it doesn't work as well as you know it could work and that was the great thing about the amount the immense control these guys had in this and they got exactly who they wanted what they wanted and they were able to absolutely deliver it and it must have been just once they finally got that final edit down and heard those audiences and had so many people tell them that you know this isn't going to work or i don't understand it um and then they had to prove it they had to show you that you know and uh so that is what is so you know. As, as, as the writer, you know, you're like, you, you just hope that they get the right actors or at least actors who can really deliver it. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's it can be frustrating, you know, because you do put so much hard work. When you're writing, you are all the characters, you know, you're you're every actor, you're, every, you're the whole thing. And uh, then when you turn it over, and part of the thrill is to actually to go see when the lights go down and you get to finally hear that, you know, with other people reading your words, it's it's, it's, it's a singular thrill um and it must have been just a singular i can only imagine what those guys on set when they were hearing robert stack finally deliver that dialogue because they've been working on this for a while you know you have this in your head you tell the same joke to yourself a hundred times you know and you don't even you start to question is it actually funny and uh so when they must have heard Oh my god. Even just like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I mean, in that film yeah. delivering some of the stuff is yeah.
1: I mean guy he's great, the you know. Brilliance of having that sports star because oh. the original movie had a sports star in the pilot yeah. seat. I just yeah. all of those little <laughs> things that came together to make this film. That was Roger Murdoch, Steve. <laughs> I'm not I'm not Kareem Abdul Jabbar, I'm Roger Murdoch. I got I got my name tag right here. <laughs>
2: Let's talk about Julie Haggerty Mm. um, being picked to play Elaine uh, Dickinson, who just... Could you imagine anyone delivering the lines with as much sweetness Mm. as she does? We
1: have a story in the book that Shelley Long almost got that part, but she just wasn't right for it because she is an actor and Julie Haggerty was just so genuine. I love the story of Julie Haggerty in this book. Just apologizing that Midwestern apologizing for everything that (laughs) she, that's who she is
0: it's it's wonderful and i think that so many people fell in love with her in that movie mm-hmm. and it it it's it's wonderful to fall in love with a funny woman you know it really really is gosh it, just on the page she just got it you know i mean it's just such a, a wonderful thing and it, it's it's magic it's movie magic she is movie magic in that movie
2: and the interaction she had with otto um <laughs> uh, was incredible they shared a cigarette afterwards it was incredible <laughs>
0: Yeah. When I was young, I was like, didn't quite get it, but, uh, you know,
2: okay. So can we
1: get into things I didn't get in 1980? I did not understand that Peter Graves character was a pedophile and he was trying to get that little boy into a sexual problem. I I did not understand the joke. Do do, do you like gladiator movies? I have used that joke so many times. I did not know that that's what the setup was for this until I read this book. (laughs)
0: Oh, geez.
1: Well,
2: <laughs> wow. Steve, at, Peter Graves is at the beginning. I say reading like Sperm Times or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the naughty I'm magazines just... at, the, at the airport.
1: Steve was like, I- I'd love to watch a Gladiator movie with Peter Graves. Of course I would. <laughs> I've seen Gladiator. Are you not entertained? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would go into that room with you, Mr. Graves. That was the only joke I could make when
2: I went to go see Gladiator was, oh, I like Gladiator movies. <laughs> I did get that when I was younger I, I you know I forgot how much nudity when when I say nudity I think there's only one scene in it where the ladies jumps out in a breast for no reason <laughs> that, <yeah. laughs> but it certainly was of that time too mm-hmm. so our breakout star in this film was Leslie Nielsen, yeah who um obviously went on to greater things with with the same group uh please swat the television series which i watched when it came on did you that was one of the i did huh because i love that humor so much and then you know we have the naked gun series one two and a half three and a third 33 33 and a third third. yeah it's a record player joke get it yeah i know
1: I didn't know that there was a TV show. I, I caught on to the movies and I, I love the movies. And then I found out that there was a TV show and I went back to watch those and I can see it. I can see why ABC rejected this TV show as just being a little outside of the norm of storytelling in the sitcom. It's not a, a true sitcom. We talked about this before even
0: in the, in today's times where you have a story to tell and you're saying well what w- there's so many different ways to tell a story now is it is a movie is it an 8 episode series is it a 22 episode season on a network show whereas back then the police squad show which I did see by the way too six episodes i believe in the summer that year right it was a, a summer show um it it's great it's hilarious it doesn't work as a tv show because you do have to pay attention to it that you only do in a in a big screen on airplane with all the sight gags, all the stuff happening in the background, all the different kinds of humor. It's it wasn't the straight up uh sitcoms of their time. You know, this thing was was as dense in terms of comedic gags as an airplane or a top secret or a naked gun movie.
2: And it always ended the police squad um show oh, oh, yeah. with them freezing Mm -hmm. and like they're pouring hot coffee and it's like running over the guys it's just them freezing instead of a freeze frame everybody else is
0: freeze framed Uh, for anybody who's listening to this who does not know everybody else is freeze framed in the closing credits except uh, but they're not and somebody's pouring a a thing of coffee the the coffee keeps pouring but every else everybody else is freeze framed or when they catch the the one robber guy everybody freeze frames except him and he realizes he can escape from the police station you know (laughs) And everybody stays free-streamed, and he's he's running out the door. It's it's, it's brilliant.
2: So Leslie Nielsen is given these incredible lines in this uh, airplane film, and he just delivers them perfectly. Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, the name of the book is Surely You Can't Be Serious. And he goes, uh, I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, um, how soon can you land this plan- plane? And he says, "Well, um, I, I can't tell you, as you can tell me, I'm, I'm a doctor. A doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Hospital. What is it? A big building with patients, but that's not important now. That's not important right now. They use that same joke over and over and over, and it's perfect. Oh, yeah.
1: it, it, I have used all of these jokes all of the time. As the not the writer, I am not a writer like Teddy. I am a producer, but mm-hmm. I am." also a trained improv actor. So in my improv, I am constantly thinking what is the most ridiculous thing I could say to the the flip side of what the other actor has said on stage. And that is what I'm seeing in a lot of this and where a lot of my humor has come from, Johnny, what can you make of this? This I can make a hat or a brooch or a pterodactyl. But here's the wonderful
0: thing, what we were talking about earlier is like, okay, you know, it's uh, the cancel culture and the, the, the young people won't won't uh, watch it or it offends them or whatever. But the thing is, is that we do have all these lines of dialogue, people of our age and stuff. And if they haven't watched it, you can hit them with something like that. And they think you're funny and hilarious and genius. So I, I, I love that part of it, you know.
1: I just want to tell you all, good luck. We're all counting on you
0: you gotta get that baritone though that he had man it was just so oh it was great <laughs> my goodness my goodness but yeah the drinking problem i've used that line too where you know it's like oh you know like if i've anytime if i dribble something if i
2: oh i'm sorry i have a drinking problem
0: anytime
1: it's, every oh time oh my god
0: yeah yeah
2: or yeah or as you get in the car and you ask everyone to assume crash positions yeah <laughs>
1: Yes, the zany image of, of them <laughs> assuming the crash positions. When I was in an emergency situation on an airplane and they said assume the crash positions, I did have a moment. Even though I was in a real emergency, it was really <laughs> frightened. I did have a moment where I went, oh, here we go. Here we go. What are we going to do? Everybody, everybody, what are we going to do?
0: <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've told people I've been traumatized by macho, what happened at Macho Grande. Oh, <laughs> or or
2: the event that happened in Drembui, Yeah. <laughs> or they or that vacation they had in Dhaka.
0: Oh my god.
2: It's just the constant just I you know if you think about that uh, think of to, um Spinal Tap mm-hmm. where they had the uh the jazz uh the jazz concert at the uh the Isle of Lucy. It's it's the same. Yeah. It's the same joke. Yeah. It's just yes. oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: And the, and the visual gags, I mean, the stuff that you know, we, we, we had the great, but just beginning that movie and of its time. I mean, and Jaws is forever, but having the fin of the plane through the clouds like a Jaws, like a shark fin with the, I mean, it's just it, it was the perfect way to begin it. It's 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 written about in the book, and and I mean, I just yeah, you know, it just puts you in, immediately into the mindset of what they're going for.
2: Oh yeah, and Ted Stryker, at the beginning of the film, he's a cab driver. He kind of pulls up. A guy jumps in the car and goes, "I'll be right back," and he runs away, but comes back to turn on the uh, mm-hmm. the, the the meter, so you know can start charging him for the time. <laughs> I'm going to give him twenty more minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have a song in this film. You know, somebody mm-hmm. grabs the uh, the guitar from the nun, of course, who comes with the uh, guitar. Mm -hmm. that was a fun story where
1: they wanted the nun from airport. They they wanted to rip off that joke so much. They wanted the same actress to portray Mm -hmm. that part. And the studio said, no, you can't actually just steal a part of another one of our films. So they they (laughs) adapted. They, they moved on with it.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, then I mean, we talk about zero hour, but all those great disaster movies of the seventies that they, that they riffed on. And it's just the, Riffing on the emotions of the piece is just is ripe for comedy,
2: and and just think about this. I had not watched any of those disaster films, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've still watched any of those disaster films. But I know Airplane, mm-hmm. and I know that it was very funny. And that the, and there's the the whole point is you could come in without uh, as a kid mm-hmm. our age without any background akin At our age.
1: Yeah, a kid our age says says the group of very old men laughing about a movie from 40 years ago. <laughs>
0: Uh, i know but but they borrow i mean airport has the the through line of the, the through is george kennedy in that and he's he's extremely serious in those airport movies he's the guy they bring in he's he's always the disaster guy and and one of them airport 75 will he have charlton heston who comes in i mean anytime you can bring in chuck heston to save the day of, a, of an airplane that's about to crash and they actually drop him into the cockpit of the it, it, it's at a part of it's been blown off and they have to drop him in off of like a another plane and stuff it's It's great stuff in itself. It makes you laugh watching it now, but back then it was deadly serious.
1: The sweaty, dirty seventies. This Mm. movie is definitely playing with those tropes, but definitely an eighties movie. This, this, like you said, sparked the comedy of the 1980s and changed movie making forever. I think, don't you think Teddy?
0: Oh, absolutely absolutely and it really did kick off that decade i mean you know from out of that you know don't don't forget some of those uh they, they actually went on and made films that weren't in that same ruthless people you know some of the same people who made that made ruthless people which is a great great comedy from back then multiple types of humor in that film too uh but you know it's just it was it was really one of those perfect movies that kicked off the decade back then you know it really was the 80s were interesting in that it began with you know uh, the miracle at Lake Placid. It ended with a Berlin Wall coming down. You know it was just a you know those bookends of that, and then everything in between with the pop culture is uh, it's it's a it's it really is a singular decade. I mean, I it, people you know, and my daughter's always like, oh, it must have been so much fun and stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. But we all had you know we sort of had all the things that you guys caused you angst, but. Man, it was just a uh, it was just a cool time and people were absolutely in their prime. You know, so many people that we loved, sure. you know, Steve Martin was in his Robin Williams was in his prime. I mean, god my goodness. Oh. Chevy,
2: Chevy Chase was still funny. Certain people uh, on no, the
1: podcast were in their prime. That's right. uh, <laughs> Bill
2: Murray. Yeah, you think about all the types of f- films, and then you throw it go across the pond. You've got you know, Mighty Python and mm-hmm. things of that nature. There certainly was you know, a change in the type of comedy from the comedy that they were doing in the sixties.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot more anything goes kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of it's stuff. It was just really, really cool
1: stuff. And they created the genre of parodying other movies in their parody movie. I, I find it fascinating yeah, the discussion in this book of, they didn't even know that they were doing that, but it works so well that Jaws reference that you made at the beginning, they just stuck that in later. That was an afterthought, but it was a brilliant primer to tell the audience, this is the sort of movie that you're in for. Here's how silly we're going to be. I I ne- I've still never seen Saturday night fever. That is not a movie that I've ever seen in my life, but I know Saturday Night Fever from Airplane.
2: Oh, you should watch it. It's actually it's actually worth 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 watching, Steve. Okay, it's I'll actually a
0: it it's actually a uh, gosh, for lack of a better word, it's actually a grittier movie than you would imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, you know, the BGs and the dancing, and you see, you know, Travolta on that dance floor. That's that's the clips that they show most of the time. But there's some really good character work done in there, and uh, it's 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 a good good movie.
2: And the you can go. tell, by the way. He walks, Steve. He's a woman's man. No time yeah, to talk. Of course.
1: And the Girl Scouts uh, fighting in fighting? in the background.
2: <laughs> well, that, that's part of the the visual overload. The All these things going on at the same time. Yeah. You know, he meets Elaine, and he asks the guy next to him to pinch him to make sure he's not uh, dreaming. And the guy moves away very slowly <laughs> because the guy turned to him and asked him to pinch him. Steve, um, Teddy, there are 15 rules that are outlined for comedy. Yeah. Um, probably the fifteenth rule could be the most important of them. But let's talk about a couple of them. I, I like the fifteenth rule. There are no rules. But when you're putting together a comedy troupe that ultimately writes a movie, you've got to have some structure to to wh- how you write to get the bang of the buck to get the payoff because you get the setup, you get the payoff. So what we um what do we kind of learn a little bit about how they write together?
1: My favorite rule, one that I think about all the time, is never put a joke on a joke. Or as the Saturday Night Live crew puts it, a hat on a hat. Two jokes at the same time cancel each other out. It has to be a straight and a silly. That's the only way sweet and sour chicken works.
0: Mm. Well, here's nobody number seven at to that.
1: Me. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Well,
0: number seven for me is applicable to today It's called ax grinding is what it was uh when the joke is overshadowed by some message it gets unfunny fast mm-hmm. and that is so true
2: welcome to that seems to be one of the real challenges with comedy today mm-hmm. yeah is that this idea that you have to have this message above it now this ebbs and flows like during the 80s you know, we all, all of a sudden we have like uh, Midnight Oil and 10,000 Maniacs. Everybody mm-hmm. was coming out with their message songs. So it becomes a very, um, it becomes a very short period. But yeah, you know, before that and after that, it's like, oh yeah, that's a really sad thing. Hey, let's have a party. And there's party music. Mm-hmm. So this idea that um, when you're writing your, if you want to make a statement, that's that's fine. But if it supersedes... The, the comedy of it, then you're basically taking away where the humor can come, because it's the absurdity sometimes. You also miss the humor.
0: escapism. People do want to escape and have a good laugh, and if they're always trying to check their themselves, and, and they're they're not allowing themselves to give themselves over to the humorist and to what's funny, you know? I mean, it's... Humor is one of the ultimate things that brings people together, you know? Sitting in a in a dark theater with uh, you know a hundred people or whatever however many laughing together or sitting around uh, you know the uh, the couch watching your you know, a friends episode you know with Matthew Perry's passing so, you know I mean the, the 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 you know seeing being with your friends watching friends and and laughing and stuff that's uh, that's a it's a it's a, it's a wonderful singular thing.
2: Wasn't that one of Seinfeld's? goals with the um when writing the Seinfeld show was that no one would ever learn anything. There's no growth Mm. within any character. Mm. They are they're just they are their character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's and that's gosh, that's another type of humor that just got perfected on that show. We could totally do a whole nother episode on that and what that did. But you know, even within within Seinfeld there is so much different types of humor. There's 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 Kramer's uh you know slapstick there's the broad comedy of that there's the interlocking storylines that all come together there's the caricatures you know the people that it just have this one broad aspect to them that that, that recurs throughout uh you know so that even that is it, you know it gets praised for being so intelligent and so so heady but it also knew the importance of having a nice broad pratfall or, or something like that you know
2: any other of the rules that they set out that that can that catch our eyes
1: Number 11, that didn't happen. Something that totally defies all logic. As long as it's off-screen fast enough, we can get away with it. My favorite example is Robert Stack yells at Lloyd Bridges, he can't land, they're on instruments, and they switch to a shot of all three of them in the cockpit playing musical instruments for no reason, no (laughs) logic, There's, there's just a joke, and then they go back and it's all done. It's just one second of of comedy that just comes out of nowhere that is my style of speaking much less teaching much less acting on stage
0: yeah i mean i totally agree with that i love the the gags that just come out seemingly seemingly come out of nowhere but it's still beautifully constructed it's still there's still a you know you just can't throw something in and have it work without setting it up just a little bit you know and uh, and they were just masters of that. I thought that that's definitely a good. One. And of course, we've been talking about number six, which is Jerry Lewis. Don't use a comedian in a straight man role. You know, that's, you know, they, again, we've, we've been going over that. It's But it's a great, great role. And I wish you, I wish you could see more of that. You know,
1: you know, I never knew that the guy washing the windows was Jimmy J.J. J. Walker. I yeah. never knew that until I read this book. He has so little to do. He's doing slapstick. He's doing comedy, but he doesn't even have a line. We're just seeing him behind the straight men giving their straight lines. And mm-hmm. I did not know that that was one of the, the most popular actor comedian I- of the day.
0: And you know what? When I was a kid watching that movie, uh, basically a child, he was one of the few people I actually knew. So I was like, it's JJ. You know, I didn't know Robert Stack. I didn't know Lloyd Bridges, but I knew good times because I'd, you know, grown up with it as a kid in the 70s there. And, uh, you know, so when JJ comes on screen, only for, you know, a, 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 an instant, really, you know, um, I was like, oh, it's JJ, you know. And then that set me up to say, okay, who am I going to see next?
1: One of my favorite parts of this book is, is they ask, could you make airplane today and the response was sure just without the jokes <laughs> it, is this is this style of comedy something that we will never see again in the theaters uh, i
0: i never say never and what i hope that we will see is someone's what what we're really kind of missing a lot of is we're missing those unique comic visions you know these guys and bless them for all being in the same air in the same airspace at the same time these three guys who came together who made that that's magic so to say never say never i don't say that because i believe that especially as we're in some hard times and sometimes the hardest times bring out the best comedy and i'm i continually be hopeful for that because i like to laugh and i really like to uh get people who have these these unique visions so i think if if the people who are the gatekeepers can just allow humor, even if it's outside of the box, if it's something you haven't seen before, if it gets allowed on. And the fact is, is we do have a lot of venues where humor can play now, you know, back then it was, it was, it was network TV and movies and, you know, I mean, on stage comedy stuff, but, and now we have the streaming services we have all sorts of different ways that you can get your comedy out there Um you know you're and i still have hope i still like you know I, i've seen you know john mulaney and people like that uh you know sure. uh, um my wife went to a concert last week matt rife you know and uh she got invited from a friend who was much younger and she'd never heard of him before and she's she's a fan now i didn't i didn't really heard that much about him either uh but he's 28 and he could he could be if he comes up like seinfeld he was a stand before that but he came out he, he figured out a way to you know, he could have just been a great stand-up, but that sitcom, that eight-year, nine-year sitcom, solidified him as an all-time great in history. So if you allow these comedic minds, who do, I believe, exist, to find their their, their proper venue, you, you'll you never get another airplane. But you might get something that we say, oh, we'll never get another one like that. We, we, we need to be open to that, the people who are the gatekeepers, the people who are the money uh, men, the money women, the money people. Have got to have faith in people like the Zuckers and Abrahams and whoever those new people are to allow them to do their thing, and at least allow them to try even if they fail.
2: Well, I, I do think that we get a little bit of it. It won't be the same as Airplane. No. Um, but we got, you know, we got something about Mary mm-hmm. that was the Fairley Brothers. That oh, was yeah, you know, we we got uh South Park mm-hmm. that uh when it came out, it was certainly very different. We got the Chappelle show. Mm-hmm. That certainly, you know, you get these these times where someone catches fire and you, you you recognize the specialness immediately. But as as bright as it burns, you know, it also, you know, the, the second, the third, the fourth movie of the same structure kind of loses some of its specialness. Mm. And so everything's got like a time limit on it and we're ready for the next thing.
0: Well let's not forget, even in its time, there was an airplane too, you know, and it did not no. in it, it 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 had the same uh, skeleton of airplane and there's some funny jokes in it, but it was it's not airplane, it just no. isn't.
1: No, it just isn't. It's just not the same. It it is but we suffer from sequelitis. They're trying to create the same thing again, and it just doesn't work for me.
0: You saw the strings in airplane too. I mean, you can still look at it and laugh. I mean, I was 12 years old, I saw it on Cable I laughed, okay? But you 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 see the puppet strings in it. You know, you really do.
2: Well, you, we also got Top Secret, oh, God, which yeah. was different but similar mm-hmm. enough. It gave us probably the greatest French kissing scene ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: I yeah, Tommy's you, so and, much in and, it. And and all the French people,
0: yeah. Oh, well, the French Resistance, you had Latrine and you had <laughs> <laughs> Latrine, you know. Um, uh, oh, the Mousse. <laughs> mousse Soufflé, all those guys. Oh, my God. It was uh, so funny, you know, just absolutely so funny.
2: Well, I'm going to keep going on this Flight of the Concords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we certainly grab, there are unique voices out there. They'll grab a big audience at some point. We are very lucky to have those, and f- at least for our generation this um still has fire you can watch this again and uh, chuckle and chuckle and chuckle or just Mm -hmm. use the lines all day long like i do
0: (laughs) you know what i mean what's what's also another underrated part of airplane and people might laugh at this is that the rewatchability of it it also comes from it's a good story i mean you know you you need you need at least the story to 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 throw all these gags on you know so if you're going to watch it eight or nine or ten times you still got to follow a storyline and you know, an involving story. And it is, I mean, it's an airplane in peril and, and, uh, you have a, you have a haunted pilot who has to land the thing. I mean, it's, it's got this, it's got stakes. Mm -hmm.
2: So Steve, is that why mystery science theater 3000 works?
1: I believe that it is. I believe that mystery science theater and Any other parody, including Weird Al, who is featured in this book, parody would not have been the same without the Zucker Brothers, without Airplane, without this almost perfect representation of how comedy can work. I don't think
2: Mystery Science Theater would would fly. I was talking about the structure. The reason why Airplane works is the structure. I think that Mystery Science Theater having the structure of a movie.
1: I, th- I think that you are correct the storytelling of those characters and the characters driving the the real not comedy but real human experience and then adding the comedy on top of that is is wonderful.
2: Petty never has a second cup at home <laughs> he, he never vomits at home
1: <laughs> He's set up he's set up for that followed by the punchline it's great. (laughs) (laughs) So the structure of this book, well, let's talk about this real quick. This is not, as you mentioned, a book like paragraphs and story and, and history. This is an oral communication between all of these characters, telling these stories to each other. I, I I got, I had a problem with the audio book version of that where these men were reading the transcripts of these conversations that they had in the past back Mm -hmm. to us that's that's the only thing that i can say i i would have a hard time recommending i i loved every one of the conversations but them reading the transcripts to each other bothered me
0: now I got the I got the hard copy version of it I you know Amazon and I, I love it i it's what I call and forgive me for being crass it's great can reading okay you can put that thing by by the toilet and you can pick it up <laughs> you can you can get the page, oh, the fan page. first yeah page 50 page 120 and just read it it's 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 like reading great q a extended interviews out of at a rolling stone or, or entertainment Weekly or wherever your, your choice of periodical is and uh and you know yeah it's it's just it's i i love the structure i'm, I'm not a big audiobook guy. i'm glad i'm glad i didn't see see it. i've seen a couple of interviews with the three guys um and they're hilarious together but but i anybody reading this invest in a hard copy it's great it's a keepsake it should be on it's it's like a coffee table book mm-hmm. um but it's not overly like when i came i was like when the box came i was like i was expecting it to be one of those big i, I love those making of star wars books that uh they they did um you know for for all the original films the raiders lost Ark, same same author i can't pull his name right now but but they're big books i mean you can't <laughs> you can't take it to the can i mean because it's just too big but this thing beautiful it's perfect size but it's meaty i mean it's 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 mm-hmm. it's great i mean it's uh it's really I mean, it, you get the sense that yeah, they're they're men of a certain age that they wanted to get this mm-hmm. this down on this is their legacy, you know, and this Historical is a great legacy book, you know?
2: Yes, it was a great uh, book to read. I really enjoyed it a whole lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you agree with me, Chip? Is that what you're trying to say? That you that the audiobook had a quality of reading to it that, that bothered you?
2: I enjoyed the material a whole yep. lot. But you're, you're absolutely right. They But they wrote it out. This is how they wrote comedy. Hmm. Everything was written out. So, you know, the idea of writing a book out and and then kind of, I don't know, scripting it with each other. Well, they had, yeah, they had to repeat
0: what was, you know what was what reads on the page is the conversation when they had it. And you have to repeat the same, like imagine if we had a script of everything we've just been talking about, we'd be reading it back. It wouldn't be as interesting Correct. as us talking about it in the first time, the first person,
1: you know, as it's happened. I just want to tell you all good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> all right. That is surely you can't be serious. The true story of airplane published in 2023 by David Zucker, Jim Abrams, and Jerry Zucker.
0: Must be under your tree this Christmas. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving.
2: Scroll with it.
1: Brings it to our scroll with it. There's lots of things happening in the world. Let's talk about only the things that
2: I put in the show notes. Guess what I want to talk about, Chip? <laughs> Steve, um, there's a certain Black Friday event that's coming up
1: <laughs> in the Who Chicago month. area. Doctor Who month is here, Chip. It is Doctor <laughs> Who month. We are celebrating the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who the whole month of November 2020. Who? The dates for the new series, a three-episode miniseries, have been announced this week. The three episodes will be on Saturdays, November 25th through December 9th. Uh, iPlayer in the UK has been stuffed. With 800 episodes of Doctor Who content, uh, I'm still waiting for the message that it's going to be on Disney+, Plus. but one day it'll get here.
2: Won't this be exciting, Steve? If you think of the, the Chicago TARDIS convention, yeah, that means the 25th, yes. that convention is going on, yes. and there is a large group of people who... I don't know, somehow like the Doctor Who show, Steve. Yes,
1: the Midwest's largest Doctor Who convention, Chicago TARDIS 2023, is going to be the hub of this celebration. Saturday, November 25th, we are definitely going to come together and watch this episode together. Get your tickets today, chicagotardis.com.
2: That is 24th, 25th, and 26th, mm-hmm. at Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So this sounds wonderful, for those who partake, Steve.
1: Yep. We're going to have three doctors this year. Peter Davidson, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy. Rachel Talalay, the director of so many wonderful things, is going to be in town. Along with Carol Ann Ford, who played the original companion, Susan. She's making her first trip to Chicago, the Chicago TARDIS, this year. I am smiling from ear to ear. Happy November, or Whovember, to all.
2: Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve if teddy wants to go he should know that there's a mall right across the parking lot from where this takes place so he can get all his black friday shopping done and my 80s, and, are
0: you satisfy my 80s mall culture needs you know so,
2: yeah. <laughs> and exterminate oh.
1: Also, uh, oh boy. Remember when we had Jackie Naiman Jones on to talk about Manos, the hands of fate, the worst movie of all time. She exactly. had something special. She wanted to share and she had to wait until November, November 15th, 2023 fans around the globe. will be celebrating the 57th anniversary of the B movie horror classic Manos, the hands of fate. Our friends over at dumb industries are going to be streaming 24 24- hours hours of manos content along with all sorts of fun and giveaways uh, we
2: are going to come together
1: and celebrate the worst movie of all time
2: so the 57th anniversary is that the uh the popcorn <laughs> and sponge um anniversary i i don't know steve you get the the the
1: metal that's in the fire and you give that as a gift is, that, is that what the master would want it,
2: it, it <laughs> could be it could be
1: teddy are you familiar with Manos?
0: Uh, Yeah, a bit. And I love the fact that any film that bad, any milestone anniversary should never be like uh, on the fives or the zeros. It should be like the
2: 57th anniversary. Well, Paramount agrees with you because they really, you know, they they fumble every Star Trek event they could possibly have. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're going to have so much fun. We're going to have so much fun. The community of people is going to come together just like we did for airplane Teddy. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about the eighties and, and God, uh, one of my top five movies of all time.
0: Thank you for having me. I love talking airplane. I love talking all things. I top secret. My gosh, this is my wheelhouse.
1: I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if
2: we can come back next week, Steve, what do you think, Teddy? Oh, you guys will be back for the shore next week. <laughs> Good.
1: We have we have voice from on high. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805 4104 TMS. Our website is too much scrolling.com. Our email is too much scrolling at gmail.com. We're on threads and x.com and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve
2: Fodor. I'm Fall Chip Flaws. And I'm Teddy Durgan. I just want to tell you
1: all good luck. We're all coming in. Push the button Steve!